Welcome to SEC Unfiltered, home of the best SEC content on the internet. The following is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code SECU to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Prize Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi entry guys. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sports entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports. Pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of, they have got it over at Prize Picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews as well. Guys, so many fans and listeners of SEC Unfiltered have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. Well, so again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code SECU to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from SEC Unfiltered sent you. Let's get it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. things SEC football with our good friend SEC Mike aka Michael Bratton of that SEC podcast Mike appreciate you taking the time my friend how when how have you and cousin Shane been thus far throughout this 2024 offseason what well, almost feels like there has been no offseason Chris 
uh, with just so much things going on. Nick Saban retiring, transfer portal, NIL. Hell, I mean, today, as we're recording, it's National Signing Day Part 2, I guess we're calling it, but not really, is it? I mean, 99.9% of the guys have, have signed, so it's kind of anticlimactic, but I'm sure as soon as things slow down, there'll be another, well, I mean, there's been scandals already. There'll be another scandal. There'll be another this. There'll be another that. There just doesn't seem to be any slowdown, and hey, I ain't complaining because that's great for guys like you and me. Mike, I was about to say, if our last conversation is any indication, I think it was 24 hours later after you and I spoke that Nick Saban officially hung it up and you were asking me about him potentially <laughs> retiring, what the reaction would be. Little did we know, right? It was going to be about 24 hours from the time we spoke. But you mentioned National Signing Day. Let's touch on that for just a second. Your thoughts on there being two separate signing days, and do you feel like they should consolidate it and make it one? Because to your point, you know, I, I remember growing up that National Signing Day this day in February was like we all looked forward to it like Christmas, sort of like we do the early signing day now. And I remember the great commitment videos, the the hat tosses, the you know guys waiting till signing day to make their picks. It really feels like this day in February has lost nearly all of that luster it once had. Your thoughts on signing day and should they consolidate into one day? And if they do, would you prefer it be in December or the traditional February date? Well, obviously, Chris, I do this for a living, and it, it was like yesterday afternoon, and then I was like, oh, yeah, it's National Signing Day tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, I it just completely went over my head. Of course, I've been a little busy over here, just just moved. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's there's, there is no point to having two of them at, at this point, and I know why they moved it up. I thought it was perfect at the time, but that was before the transfer portal. That was before the expanded playoff. And I've been trying to wave the flags here, Chris, because I don't know if you're aware of this or your audience, but next year, National Signing Day is going to land at the same time as the first round of the college football playoff. So how in the hell is someone like, let's just say Kirby Smart, even though he'll probably be good enough, they'll have a bye. They won't be playing in the opening round. But let's just say George is there. I mean, they're going to have a game on Friday. They're going to have a, a signing day on th on Wednesday, Thursday. Like, it's it's not going to work for anybody. So I think they need to push the signing period till after the season, kind of like they used to do traditional February. And yes, guys will enroll early. I get all that. So th there may be it may not be as good. But we just can't throw this in the middle of the college football playoff. It's completely nonsensical. I I would also like to see them push the transfer portal window till after the national championship game as well because it's it's foolish and, and particularly to have free agency while the season's going on. And I I think there's no better example than Texas had a backup quarterback Malik Murphy who jumped in the portal. He had an opportunity to win a national championship. But Duke was offering him essentially a starting role, and they may—I I guess he—he he felt like they may not wait for him. And, and no, no player should be put in that position to where we may have. I mean, we, I mean, let's say Quinn Ewers got hurt, Malik Murphy would have been the guy to, to go in there, not Arch Manning. So it's just crazy that we're, that we're potentially taking the knees out of a national championship contender so that a guy can hit free agency while the spot is available to him. It's—it makes no sense. Mike, let's move into Tennessee versus the NCAA. What's the feeling around Vol Nation of what's going on with the NCAA? Obviously, we've seen kind of the fallout around some NIL stuff. 
Um, I don't think the NCAA is is worth the, the the paper they write their name on. But what's the mood around Vol Nation, if you will, regarding the latest with this NCAA investigation? That this is nothing and nothing to be concerned about. But that's basically always the case when someone gets uh, notice of allegations from the NCAA. You just never know. And the, the NCAA is just, you know, I, I think some people think it's like some cabal just sitting around in a, in a boardroom, you know, making decisions. But really, if it does go to an infractions committee, what that is is, is a committee made up of different members, and they change it every time. So some people say, well, how, how did North Carolina get off and Wake Forest get hammered? You know, or I just made that up, but you know, how insert team get hammered, but this team got off. You know, all that's how that happens because it's a different committee each time. Now we are a long ways off from this going to a, to an infractions committee, but uh, Tennessee certainly dodged a bullet last time. They they could have got hammered for all the stuff Jeremy Pruitt was doing, and it's you know as clear as day. Tennessee was they were very transparent. And they helped the NCAA because they didn't want to play pay uh, Pruitt's buyout. They were ready to move on from him. And that worked. They had to they had to pay, I think, eight million dollars in in fines to the NCAA. But this time they're they're taking a different approach. They're 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 going to burn it to the ground if they have to, and they're they're going to it's going to be a legal battle and all this. So I just don't think the NCAA really has got a leg to stand on because anything Tennessee, which here's the thing people don't understand, Tennessee committed no violations. They, they opened the doors to the NCAA and let the NCAA come in there. No coaches, no staff members, no administration, nothing. Now, who broke rules, which were not rules at the time? And, it, and it's not even the collective, Chris. People think it's the collective, but it's a marketing agency that works hand-in-hand. Hand Tennessee's collective is called the Volunteer Club. Now, the marketing agency is Spire, and Spire is the one that gave plane rides to Nico and all this, which is – at the time was not illegal now it is so i don't know i don't know how you could you, i don't know how you you put that on tennessee for something an agency that that has no official affiliation with tennessee did something wrong mike on that note the sec and big 10 have joined forces we're just getting the post pulled up here sec and big 10 announced the formation of a joint advisory group of university presidents chancellors ad's this was last week but this all sort of goes hand in hand with, you know, Tennessee and Virginia going up against the NCAA. Now this with the SEC and Big Ten. How close do you think we are from seeing the SEC, the Big Ten, maybe the Power Five as a whole breaking off and kind of giving the middle finger to the NCAA? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, I mean, I I think that may be coming at some point, Chris, but it's it's very complicated. Obviously, I mean, if they do that, there's no NCAA basketball tournament. There's no college World Series in baseball. You know what I mean? Like, it makes sense for football. Does it make sense for basketball, baseball, track and field, on and on and on? I, I don't think it does. But we all know the money makers football. So there, there may come a point in time that, uh, that, that we have to do that. But I, I think the whole point of this and again, they're not calling it an alliance. That's like a that's a dirty curse word in college sports now, thanks to uh, the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12. You know they, that alliance basically killed two of the two of those conferences. But uh, what this is, Chris, is, is just you know the NCAA for as long as it's worked, it's all the schools. Doesn't matter the division. Doesn't matter the level. And anytime you try to pass something that may work for the SEC, may work for the Big Ten, but doesn't work for the Sun Belt or the Mountain West, what have you, and even the lower levels beyond that, it just doesn't go anywhere. And this is the SEC and the Big Ten saying, all right, if you, you know, get on board or get left behind, and they're going to set their own rules. And if it doesn't work for, the, for everybody else, then yeah, I, I think we may see some kind of split, but I, again, I think it's I think it's very very complicated, and I I truly don't think the SEC wants to disband the NCAA because it'll what it will do to the other sports. But if their hand is forced, I, I think they'll do it. Mike Missouri received an anonymous donation of over sixty million dollars this week earlier this week. Your thoughts on that, and is it finally time, or does it finally happen that Missouri starts to gain a little bit more respect in the SEC? I always think it's fascinating that year after year after year you have certain fan bases that want to view Mizzou as not really an SEC team or not giving them the credit they deserve. But after an eleven win season, beating Ohio State, a lot of that team is coming back. Eli Drinkwitz has been extended, and now this donation, I feel like a lot of folks have to come to grips with the fact that Mizzou is just as much a force as anyone in the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, I can't believe Cousin Shane was able to, to get that much money together to, to donate to his <laughs> beloved Missouri Tigers. But uh... he, he, he nailed it, by the way. I will say, when I thought about Mizzou and what they were doing last season, I always thought there was one guy that I heard jump on that Mizzou bandwagon. So credit to Cousin Shane. Have you heard the popular rumor of, of who it really is that uh, that donated that money? I have and not. I, I, I have no clue that this is true. So this is just complete speculation. But uh, there, so there's the Walton family in, in Arkansas, which everyone assumes they're tied to Arkansas. It's my understanding they don't give hardly anything to, to Arkansas for the NIL or anything like that. And, hell, they even have facilities named at Missouri – for the Walton family because their ties are actually, even though the, the business is every, and all that is, is based in Arkansas, uh, the, the guy that founded the company went to Missouri. So that's the rumor. That's why it's anonymous. By God, we don't want that to leak out that one of the, the you know, one of the families tied to Arkansas gave to Missouri. I don't know that that's true again, but that, that would be hilarious. That'd be the, the most Bible SEC, on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, SEC donation of all time. But yeah, to, to get back to your question, I, yeah, I, I think this is what it takes to compete at the highest level in this conference. It, it takes all in. And 
this is just the latest sign of momentum. Uh, you know, they, they, hell, they just renovated the stadium about four or five years ago, I believe. So it's, it, it, I didn't realize that the, that the stadium needed $50 million worth of donations, but maybe it, it doesn't necessarily need it. But again, that it's just going to further Mizzou athletics and 12 million of that 60 something million is, is specifically designed to go to their NIL to help the collective get more athletes in there. And we've been seeing it for a while, Chris, with Luther Burden committing, William Zanawari, who everybody in the country wanted committing. Uh, they, they just stole Caden Green from Oklahoma. I mean, it, Missouri's playing big boy football now. They just won 11 football games. I don't think drink is worth nine million, whatever they just gave him, but they gave it to him because he's, he's taken them out of the wilderness and they want to stay there. And, and credit to Missouri because for, for about a decade, they've had to hear about how, why in the hell did the SEC add this program? They should have went to the Big Ten. They're stupid rocks, this, that, and the other. Well, they're getting the last laugh now because they're whooping all these teams' ass that 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 mocked them for a decade. Uh, I mean, the only ones they lost to was Georgia and LSU, which obviously their quarterback won the Heisman Trophy. So, uh, yeah, I, and, and if you look at Missouri's upcoming schedule, they're going to be favored in, in nine, maybe ten games. I think they're going to have another 10, 11-win season, and they're going to be right in the playoff race all season long. Mike, a couple of days ago, you dropped your SEC power rankings heading in the 2024 season. And, of course, as we get closer to the season, I know that you'll update these probably post-spring, summer, right before kickoff, what have you. But And if you guys want to check this out, at Michael W. Bratton, at that SEC podcast, check out the show. You guys also talked about this. Uh, I'm curious, though. Which of these selections or which fan base gave you the most grief for where you slotted them? And I, I got a follow-up question after that for a couple of these. But which fan base do you feel like gave you the most grief for where they were placed in your latest power rankings? Yeah, you said I may update it. I may update it every week, Chris, just for the interaction alone. But no, I, I do that during the season. But I obviously won't do it that much in the offseason. But yeah, a lot of grief from a lot of fans. But, uh, you know, the two... The two that I heard the most about, and, and not necessarily even the the fans of, of where I rank the teams, but basically every other fan base, and, and there's two that stand out. Alabama, everybody's dancing on the grave of Alabama. I think that's foolish just because they lost some key components from last season's team and, and obviously Nick Saban, but I think Kalen DeBoer was, was as good a hire as they could possibly have done, and I, and I think he's going to do great there. And then the other one is Florida, putting them and hell, I put them at number ten. And everybody's saying, "Did you? Are you missing a five there? You know, 15, 14? I mean, how in the hell can you be high on Florida? I think Florida is is poised to be one of the surprise teams in the SEC. I think everybody's looking at the schedule and just saying, "Well, how can you know? How can they navigate that?" And, and that's not even how I do my power rankings. It's it's neutral field, team A, team B, who wins the game, but. I don't know. I, I think Florida's going to be a lot better than people anticipate. I think they can get off to a hot start, getting Graham Mertz back. I know they lost Trevor Etienne to Georgia, but I think their running game's going to be fine. They've got some really great young talent at receiver. So I think the offense will be, you know, just the, the steady improvement that we saw last season will continue. Now, the, the problem is the defense, of course, but it's year two, Austin Armstrong. They added Ron Roberts. Former uh, defensive coordinator there at Auburn. He's worked with Billy Napier. He's worked with Austin Armstrong, the defensive coordinator. So 
as long as they can be average on defense. And that's, I mean, it's kind of sad that we're sitting here saying Florida, which is known historically for, for great. I know people think fun and gun and all that, but they didn't really win championships till they had an elite defense. And that under Will Muschamp, they always had great defenses. Jim McElwain with Muschamp's players, they had great defense. If they could just get average, I think this is, you know, an eight and four type team in the SEC. I really do. You know, admittedly, Mike, it wasn't Florida that really jumped out to me personally. It was Alabama, though. I was surprised you had Bama so high, and we can talk about the Kalen DeBoer higher, and I agree with you. It's too early to dance on the grave or completely write Bama off, uh, but I know you and many others have been enjoying sort of the the downfall, if you will, of Alabama. I, I've spent some time talking to LSU folks, and I mean, my goodness, they're, they're celebrating Mardi Gras all year long to celebrate, <laughs> I think, Saban's retirement, but Bama at three, so – you feel confident that Kalen DeBoer is going to pick things up and, and do really well. We're not saying do as well as Nick Saban, obviously, but still be one of those top two or three teams in the SEC. You've got Georgia one, Ole Miss two, but there's Bama at three, ahead of Texas, at LSU, of course, ahead of Tennessee, ahead of Mizzou. So you're buying Kalen DeBoer in Tuscaloosa and what he's going to do for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, absolutely. My friend Dave Bartu, CFB Matrix, he charts uh, all these coaching hires. He, he does it professionally for uh, – he has programs at every level of college football, including several in the SEC. He helps them with coach staffings. And and uh, ba long story short, I mean, he, he has basically told me that Kalen DeBoard is, by his metrics, his grades, the best game day coach in all of college football. So, again, it may be – as shocking as it is to say, I mean, it, it may be just as good as Nick Saban on game day. Now, the rest of it, again, I'm not comparing him to the greatest of all time. That's foolish. I, I don't think he's going to win six, seven national championships or anything like that. But I think we're fine with DeBoer. And certainly, if Ryan Grubb, there's there's some consternation whether he's going to come or not. But if they manage to get Kale, uh, Ryan Grubb, the offensive coordinator, Kane Womack, the defensive coordinator, those are two upgrades over what Alabama had last season. And you just look at look at what DeBoer did at Washington, where 12-2 and two against top 25 competition with a roster that is probably sub top 30 in the country. Alabama's got a top 5-6 roster in the country, even with the defections they've had. I just think that, uh, man, if that guy has, has done – he brought freaking Washington to the national championship game – beaten Oregon three times in the last two seasons, beaten Texas with their – I hear their NIL is insane, like $12 million, number one in the country. He's beaten these teams. He beat Texas two, two, two out of two the last two years. I mean, this guy could coach with lesser talent. What's he going to do with elite talent? I can't wait to find out. I, I think Alabama – I may have put Alabama too high. I considered putting them number two. And, Mike, you look at the second half of this list, and you talked a little bit about the Florida Gators, and I'm actually kind of surprised to hear you say that you sound like you – it sounds like you think they're going to be somewhat of a surprise team or breakout team. Who would be some other candidates in your mind, maybe top two or three? Like way too early, obviously. I'm not asking you for predictions, but teams that you look at, you think the stock is low right now that you could see them doing much, much better. I mean, for me personally, I look at an Auburn, Hugh Freeze taking over the play calling. I think that one, though, is going to be kind of obvious, but – you mentioned Florida. That one sort of surprises me a little bit at them. Is there anybody else that you look at and say, hey, watch out, they could surprise this fall? Yeah, I think that team is Texas A&M. 
because I think a lot of people wrote them off, a lot of defections, a lot of the, the transfer portal losses they had, not all, but a lot of them were backups. And they've added about 20, 25 portal additions to, which again, not a, a lot of those guys will be, you know, frontline starters, I would imagine, year one in the SEC. But I, I would have to imagine they could fit in as quality backups. Now, they did land some key pieces like uh, Nick Scrouton, I think is his name, the guy from Purdue, led the Big Ten in, in sacks last season. That's going to be a potentially a, a frontline player for the Aggies. But you look at Mike Elko and what he did at Duke. I mean, he did, he did one of the best coaching jobs the last two seasons in all of college football. I mentioned Dave Bartu in, in his uh, coaching staffing and, and how he does that. He also grades these coaches. And according to Dave Bartu's metrics, Mike Elko's been a top five coach in a country the last two seasons given what the talent he's had to work with going up against the talent he's faced and the results from those games so again I, I'm not sitting here saying Mike Elko day one is a top five SEC coach I, I don't think that's I don't think he's earned that but I think he could surprise people and, and clearly he knows A&M well he's been there they were dominant on defense when he was the defensive coordinator if we can get closer to that I love the hire of, of Colin Klein, the offensive coordinator. I think Texas A&M's got better quarterbacks than people realize. I think Texas A&M is another one that could be sneaky good this year. Now, Mike, lately on you guys' show, you did hot seat ratings for each of the SEC head coaches. And admittedly, I have not gotten to watch that content yet, so this is going to be a lot of fun. But I, I feel like the most obvious going into this season, Billy Napier at Florida, Sam Pittman at Arkansas – who are the not-so-obvious coaches that you think could find themselves on a boiling hot seat and maybe even fired at season's end? Yeah, I think, two that really stand out in, in terms of that question are Mark Stoops, who, again, I'm, I'm kind of down on him a little bit more than, than others, but would they make a move? I, I don't know, because they, they would probably owe him a ton of money, but... Hell, Chris, he, he, he tried to get out. <laughs> he can't hire an offensive coordinator to save his life short of Liam Cohen, and Liam Cohen just left. So what? we don't even know what they're going to be on offense. They their, their end of the season was dreadful. He basically called out the fans for saying, you need to give us more money because we can't we can't compete at this level. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I just see things trending poorly for Mark Stoops. Now, does that mean they're going to run him off? No, I don't necessarily think so. But if they don't have a nice bounce back, I mean, I I think I think there's a chance Kentucky doesn't make a bowl game this year. I really do. They get they catch Georgia early. They they have a ton of away games this year. So Kentucky is one that that I got my eye on. It's funny you say Hugh Freeze as a and Auburn as as a team to to surprise. I. Well, surprise, I think you meant it optimistically because I'm looking at it pessimistically. I don't, I don't know what in the hell we're doing here with Hugh Freeze. We're blowing up the coaching staff, with which were two quality coordinators. Now, I, I realize the offense was dreadful last year, so and he's calling out basically his coordinator about half the season. I don't know what in the hell he's doing with Peyton Thorne. Peyton Thorne was awful for most of the year. Now, he looked good against Georgia, and he looked good against Alabama, which probably the two games that Hugh Freeze did take over the play calling duties. And he'll be he'll be the first to let you know he called those games, and he let uh, you know his Philip Montgomery call the other ones probably. But uh, 
I don't know. I, I just, I'm still shocked that Auburn went on the limb for this guy because I, I realize he won it. He won at Liberty, but who, who in the hell cares? You know what I mean? Like he beat, he beat Arkansas. That's, that's basically what got him that job. And Sam Pittman, that program's not been right even before that. And that's going back two years. So is that how we're judging coaches now? Because you you go and, and beat a struggling SEC team. I, I mean, Hugh Freeze is Gus Malzahn with baggage. That's what I call him. And that, that's what he is. And if they go six and six, five and seven, which I'm not saying they will, but I, hell, I didn't think they were going to get their ass beat by New Mexico State and Maryland either, but it happened. And, and it's year one. Maybe we forgive some of this stuff, but for a guy with his experience, particularly in this league, I don't think you can get away with two years of that. And, and that doesn't mean they're going to fire him, but I think he'll go into year three on a, on a boiling hot seat if they don't make a bowl game. And I get it. They sit, they He sits and, and points to, well, we had, we had one hell of a recruiting class. I was focused on recruiting. Well, in the transfer portal NIL world, Chris, if you go five and seven, these five stars aren't sticking around. They're going to transfer in a heartbeat. And and I think that's what will happen if Auburn struggles and they, they don't get some of these receivers the ball. And we know you 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 don't just walk into the SEC and start, particularly at, at receiver in, in this league. So I don't know. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it goes at Auburn. And that leads me, Mike, to this. I, I don't know that a blanket answer will apply here because each program is different. Each set of circumstances is different. But, you know, you mentioned at a place like Auburn, maybe two back-to-back below-the-standard years can get you canned somewhere else like Arkansas or South Carolina or maybe Mississippi State where it takes maybe a little bit more patience. But, I mean, in this transfer portal, NIL era, where, to your point, you just don't have as long as you used to to build a program because – you start to struggle, guys can hit the road quickly, and you have that negative momentum against you. It can it can take a toll. What do you think that window is for success for head coaches? I mean, again, it's hard to give a blanket answer, but, I mean, do you feel like three years is typically the window? Do you think it should be four? Should it be five? Should it be two? Like, how do you judge coaches in the SEC? Is it off a, you know, based off which program they're at, because obviously expectations are different at different places. I just, it's a fascinating question, right? To what should be the timeline that a coach gets to get a program going? Well, that's, it's, that's a hard one to answer, Chris, because I think it really just depends on the program. Like Kalen DeBoer, he doesn't have three years. I think they've got to be great immediately. If they go seven and five, they may fire him, and I think they probably should. As crazy as that, I mean, this this is the greatest dynasty of all time. And again, they're not going to be a dynasty under under the board. I really don't think so. But we can, we can't the wheels can't fall off either. You know, now Jeff Levy, he probably deserves three years, given the situation he inherited. Uh, a guy like Billy Napier, this will be year three. If they don't make a bowl game, I'd fire his ass too. Because this is Florida we're talking here, and and it's clear. That his approach, I mean, it, it seems like the old school approach where we're gonna we're gonna uh, I, I about said draft and develop. I mean, that's kind of what it is, but recruit and develop, which is fine. I mean, that for a hundred years that worked in college football. I don't I don't think that works anymore. With when you got guys like Kiffin and Josh Heupel, and we've seen Shane Beamer, we've seen Sam Pittman kind of turning around immediately. Now sustaining it that's a that's a different. That's an issue Sam Pittman and and Shane Beamer are having. And if Tennessee disappoints, 
we could throw Josh Heupel into that conversation this year too. But sustaining it, that, that's a different issue. But, man, I, I think at the vast majority of SEC programs, short of maybe three or four, I got to see something by year two. And, and some of them, if Kirby Smart, God forbid, if he left tomorrow, it's got to be immediate. At LSU, I think it's got to be immediate. Mike Elko at A&M, I think it's got to be immediate. And that doesn't mean, you know, win the SEC or anything like that. But, I mean, you got to win. You got to win at least eight games, I think, for, you, for, for us to know that you're a quality coach. And you can do it with the portal, things of that nature. You can you can turn over a roster overnight. So there, I don't think there are excuses anymore. And, and I think, I know this is not quite what you were asking, but I think all these coaches, Chris, are going to be judged on playoff appearances because there's about eight, nine programs in the SEC that think they deserve to be in the playoff and they all go make it. So if you miss the playoffs two years in a row, I think you could potentially get fired at, at some of the, the higher echelon, which is about, like I said, eight, nine programs in the SEC. You better, you better make it or, or come damn close on an annual basis. Otherwise there's going to be hell to pay. On that note, Mike, over under two and a half SEC head coaches get fired after the 2024 season. What are you taking? Uh, I I always go over on fire because <laughs> <laughs> we got guys on a hot seat already. We got guys that uh, you know may not seem like on a hot seat, but get on it pretty damn quick. I mean, it, this is wild, Chris. I mean, I I can remember. Uh, I mean, 12 months ago. You cannot eat, and I'm not saying Shane Beamer's on the hot seat, but I, I mean, I think a South Carolina fan will fight you to death if you, if you said anything bad about Shane Beamer. Now, some of them, no, not many, but some of them would say, "Hell, I don't, I don't know if this guy can get us here." You know what I mean? Like it turns quick. Like he was a favorite son to wait and see, and and Sam Pittman's an even better example. I mean, he was he was the toast of the town, and I think most fans. We're ready to move on from him until he hired Bobby Petrino. Coach O, I mean, you, you literally could not get a better fit than Coach O at LSU, wins, and then he wins a national championship, and a year later he's out. So we're crazy. We're damn crazy down here, Chris, but I love it because it's I love the passion. It, you know, apathy is the worst thing in the world in this sport. So I don't mind the crazy, but we're a little too crazy down here. And, and you lose a couple games you're not supposed to lose, You'll find yourself on the hot seat in a in a hurry in the SEC, and it's only getting tougher with Texas and Oklahoma coming in here. Mike, last thing, and I'll get you out of here. You mentioned we're crazy down to the SEC, so that means we look forward to things like spring football. I asked people what was their what's your favorite sport second to football, and people would say spring football, spring <laughs> game. So, how excited do you get for spring football and to start talking these top storylines and? You know, the spring game, it's a glorified scrimmage, but but we do get a glimpse at a lot of these transfer portal guys, a lot of these these incoming freshmen. So it's just around the corner. How pumped are you and Cousin Shane to check it out? Oh, just, I mean, couldn't be more excited. You're right. The spring games, a lot of them are, are kind of ho-hum and don't honestly learn a lot from the spring games. I do like to see, like you said, transfers, young players like to see how they look on the field. But it to me, it's more about, practices and scrimmages and, and getting intel from around the league. And, and I think that's more important than ever, given the massive player turnover 
coaching turnover, and there's a portal window after spring. So you really got to find out where are these teams deficient, where do they need to add, things of that nature. So, yeah, I mean, it's I think more than ever, you, ha- you have to pay attention to spring football to get a read uh, because sometimes – you know, you you get a player in there. You think they're they're awesome out of the portal, and you come to find out they can't. They're not. They're not even close to competing at this level. Uh, so yeah, I mean, every year we get excited about spring football, but I I think it gets more and more and more important as uh, this this wild college football calendar, which <laughs> they need to do something about it. But uh, it it just it adds emphasis on how important this the spring football really is. Mike, which fan base do you think you'll catch more grief from, Texas or Oklahoma? Uh, the answer is always Florida for me. Uh, they hate me. So, uh, but no, I, I'm already on a, I'm, I'm already, you know, quite public that I, I, I didn't even know this was that bold of a take, but everybody loves Sarkeesian. So I'm sitting here saying, why in the hell do so many people think he's a top five coach in college football? I realized they had a they had a great year last year. They beat Alabama, so we got so we crowned them. But uh, yeah, Texas fans they got it out for me already, and that's that's fine. I mean, I tell the truth, and A and M fans were after me when I when I questioned Jimbo Fisher. Now they all hate that man. You know what I mean? So they'll catch up to me if Texas disappoints this year. They'll they'll be called for Sark's head, and I'm not even called for his head. I'm just saying let's let's pump the brakes on calling him one of the best in the game because he's he's not earned that. Michael Bratton, a.k.a. SEC Mike of That SEC Podcast. He and Cousin Shane do a fantastic job talking all things SEC football. Mike, appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Let's definitely do it again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Chris. All right, Mike, we'll cut it there, man. I will have this up on uh, YouTube today, and, of course, we'll have clips on social media and stuff, and I'll tag you. But this is electric, man. I appreciate you, truly. Yeah, anytime, man. And sorry about the dog barking. We just Oh, you're good. You're good. We just moved into a new house, and we're, we're like – this is the only room in the whole house that is uh, situated, you know, because I because I got to work and everything. But we're still trying to figure out everything, what to do with the dog, what to do with this yeah. and that. And You're good. It's old Smokey in the background. I can appreciate that. So his name's <laughs> Neilan. Ne- really? Wow. Okay. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. That is incredible. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> babe, babe, keep up the great work. I've, I've seen all these interviews you're doing. You're kicking ass. So. Uh, I, no, I love I love to see it, man. Mike, I appreciate it, man. You guys do the same, man. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, take care, Chris. Bye bye. the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.